Felicity Quinn, and welcome to another episode of Mentally Together. Because whether you can see it on the surface or not, we are all just trying to keep ourselves mentally together. And no matter what our brains are experiencing, we're not alone, we're together. I think I've mentioned on the show before that I have been diagnosed with anxiety, well, technically generalized anxiety disorder, depression, and ADHD. And to some people, that might sound like a lot. I mean, just getting one diagnosis can be really scary and overwhelming. Sometimes labels themselves are just scary and overwhelming. Especially if you receive the wrong diagnosis, which is an entirely other rabbit hole we could go down. But for me, each diagnosis has seemed to sort of unlock something in my brain because I learned something about how my brain actually works. I guess it's the whole knowledge is power thing. Like three years ago when I got diagnosed with anxiety and depression, yeah, it was scary, it was a little sad, but at the same time, it felt really good because now there was a next step to take from the doctor. And for me, medication, that next step, has worked pretty well. Then, just last November, I was diagnosed with ADHD. And at the time, it was a little overwhelming. I was very emotional because a lot of me was like, how did it take me three decades to figure this out? But then, on the other hand, it felt really validating to finally make sense of some of the ways in which my brain works. Like, I finally understood why history tests in high school stressed me out so much because my brain had a really difficult time comprehending and remembering all of the information I was reading in a textbook. I finally understood, at least a little bit, why I have struggled with keeping my room clean since I was a little kid, why I have a tendency to run late to things, why I have a hard time sticking to a routine for a long period of time, and why I just sometimes feel like I need to be going, like doing something and moving. And since I started to understand these things about my brain, it helped me stop fighting against them and start working with them. Like, now I've learned that listening to audiobooks and allowing my fidgety hands to do something else while I do it actually helps me retain the information more. Now I can forgive myself when three weeks after starting a new routine that I'm excited about, I get really sick of said routine, and now I have backup routines to switch to. Now I know that, as much as I try to reject them, alarms, deadlines, reminders are actually very useful things for me to set for myself instead of getting mad at myself for not remembering that thing or being there late. To me, it's actually pretty mind-blowing how much just understanding how my brain works actually helps it work better. And just for the record, I am still learning and figuring things out and understanding more and more as I go. It's not like I have it perfectly figured out at all, but the more I learn, the more I figure out what works for me. Even learning recently that anxiety and depression are actually common comorbidities of ADHD, which basically means a lot of people with ADHD are also diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Just knowing that makes so much sense to me, because how can you not feel anxious and depressed when you feel like your brain should be doing things a certain way and doing them this well and the world wants you to do them that well, but it just won't do it? Of course, when you receive a diagnosis or you think you might have something, many of us, myself included, have a tendency to start researching it all, fall down rabbit hole after rabbit hole all over the internet. 
And yes, sometimes that can be really overwhelming, and we also obviously have to verify all of the information that we find, but parts of this can actually be really helpful. For me, when I started researching ADHD before and after my diagnosis, I found an entire community of people living with ADHD out there on the internet. Other women I related to who shared similar struggles and symptoms as me. And I found content creators and coaches who have basically now dedicated their entire careers to sharing information about ADHD, their own stories, things they've learned along the way. And one of those people who I have since learned so much from is my guest today. It's Renee Brooks. Renee is the founder of Black Girl Lost Keys, a blog that empowers black women with ADHD and shows them how to live well with the disorder. She's also written six ebooks about living with ADHD, covering topics from cleaning, guarding your yes, style, and time blindness. I don't even remember exactly how or when I found Renee, but somehow at some point I fell into ADHD Twitter, which is a very real thing, and out popped Renee. Although I'm not technically in her specific target demographic of black women, so much of what she has shared has resonated with me and taught me little adjustments that I can make in my daily life to work with my ADHD brain. So I loved talking to Renee about cleaning with ADHD, setting realistic routines, and how getting a diagnosis later in life can be like meeting a version of yourself that you never knew existed. So let's get into it with she's an author, she's a creator, she's a magical ADHD unicorn, basically. It's Renee Brooks. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Renee. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure to be on. I am so excited to talk to you selfishly because I have followed you on the internet really not even for that long. Like to me, it feels so long because... I was diagnosed with ADHD only like seven months ago, and I, I somehow at that point, I don't even know how. You stumble into ADHD Twitter, and somehow there's Renee, and it was actually like a magical unicorn had like appeared in the forest, and it feels like an entirely different lifetime since I've gotten this diagnosis, and so you've been there for the whole lifetime, so it feels like I've been following oh, you forever. <laughs> totally understandable. I would imagine you get that a lot from, from the ADHDers of the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you feel appreciated? Like, I, I hope that you go about your days and you're oh, like, what I do is so worth it and I'm wonderful and amazing. I hope that's well, what you feel like. <laughs> usually, you know, I think everybody has a, a day where they don't feel quite so appreciated. And, yeah. you know, it's been it's been a hectic time for me life-wise. So most days I don't even think about whether or not I'm being appreciated. I'm just running around like the uh, proverbial chicken with its head cut off. I'm just yeah on the run. Yeah. Which I feel like the whole chicken with its head cut off is a very good metaphor just for ADHD brains in general, a lot of the time. <laughs> for sure. For sure it is. It's very, very hectic. So I don't know. Like I just, you know, I think I just kind of do my thing and usually the people who are going to show up, show up and the people who are going to misunderstand, we're going to misunderstand anyway and yeah. We just keep it, keep it rolling. Totally. Yeah, one thing that I appreciate that you talk about a lot is being diagnosed with ADHD later in life, which 
until I started coming to terms with my brain and figuring out like, oh, what's going on in there? Basically all of quarantine going like, oh, these things that have always been there are now presenting themselves stronger. Now it's becoming harder to like focus and do anything in my days. Oh, hmm, maybe, I don't know, could be ADHD. And then the more I go into the internet and start researching, it's like, oh shoot, the later in life diagnosis is a very common thing, right? Especially in women, yeah, for sure. Because we don't present like the stereotypical what you're told about ADHD when you're a kid. Like, oh, you're running around, you can't sit still. Ah, oh my gosh. Like, those are the symptoms that seem obvious. But I think it's the way that they socialize women. So, like, it's not socially acceptable for women and girls to bounce off the walls. People are always trying to get us to tone it down and be ladylike. So when you have to tone it down and be ladylike, so to speak, you demonstrate your hyperactivity in a different way. For instance, lots of us are super chatty patties or mm-hmm. we interfere like little girls who are super duper meddlesome and other people's stuff, like, you know, socially that can also be a symptom. There's the emotional regulation component. People with ADHD have a strong sense of justice or injustice. So that's where you can get some of the meddlesome stuff going on. And conflict can be a stimulant. So, you know, these little girls who are being accused of being dramatic, are they dramatic or is there something more going on? Oh yeah. Dramatic, chatty. In in my household, it was chatty Kathy, but chatty Patty, whoever, which is Chatty Patty, like actually rhymes. I like that one better. So I definitely like my nickname from my parents as a kid was Motor Mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Mine was Grace because I was so klutzy. (laughs) Ah, so funny. (laughs) Like that's another way that that these things get like ADHD shows up in unusual ways. And like I said, our our physical hyperactivity is suppressed as young women. And so you'll see a lot more of that so-called non-traditional expression. And when I say non-traditional, I'm talking about how it's written. We've always presented that way. It's just that that's not really as visible in the literature because the majority of it was written about little white boys. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, you talked about how a lot of women are diagnosed later in life, but there's also it's also yeah white white boys that are diagnosed with ADHD like the race also plays into it right race definitely can play into it socioeconomics can play into it anything that gets people marginalized in regular society can translate over into treatment and diagnosis of anything so those things are those intersections always need to be taken into account when we're talking about anything really Yeah. Yeah. Literally anything, which Mm -hmm. sometimes a lot of us forget that you, you were diagnosed later in life, technically, but you were also diagnosed earlier in your life, right? I was, (laughs) which is crazy. (laughs) They caught it for the first time when I was seven. And because of a lack of cultural competency and the lack of willingness to explain to my mother what ADHD was and what it means. She was just like, they're trying to drug my child up. No, 
which was the prevailing attitude in the 90s um, when I was in the in the process of being diagnosed and uh, that she took me to my my family doctor who said, oh, just give her some more responsibility, which is absolutely not the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And did nothing but get me into more trouble. So there was that. And then second time was 11. Same thing. Really bright student, not performing up to the best of her capabilities. We think she has ADHD. No, you're not drugging my kid up. And on and on and on. And so when I was 25, I had a super nasty bout with depression And we got something going on with the antidepressants that seemed like it was working, but there were still all these challenges. And I just so happened to bring up in passing, thinking it was irrelevant. Like, oh, yeah, they tried to put me on medicine when I was a kid. And, you know, my mom was like, nah, you're not drinking my kid up. And I went to move on. And the therapist stopped me mid-sentence and was like, what did you say? So I repeated myself. And she sent me down the hallway to her her colleague who was an ADHD specialist oh gosh that you book an appointment with him talk to him then come back and see me and sure enough it was ADHD and it was a big deal and we needed to move on getting treatment for that and the rest is kind of history <laughs> history that you keep a detailed log of and share with the whole world, which is so wonderful because obviously it helps people like me who that are like, oh, oh, number one, it's normal. Number two, oh, these things that I don't feel are normal in my brain are actually something that I could get help with. And hmm, better late than never. <laughs> I think that's one of the most healing parts of the community. Like I know like the new thing is is to talk smack on the fact that there are so many people talking about ADHD on the internet. And I get it because some of the stuff that comes out is just, it's not science-based and some things can run too far in the opposite direction to where people are just like, yes. So people who like paper clips, that's an ADHD thing. (laughs) And they're like, and people are coming on commenting like, I love paper clips too. Oh my gosh. Maybe I have ADHD. Like I have a whole pile of paper clips in front of me right now. That's so cool. Is this a and real one that you saw? Like paper clips, actually? It, I'm exaggerating, but it gets about. <laughs> I thought that so, close. but then I was like, wait a minute. But maybe this is real, and I need to know you, this. Yet. <laughs> like there are some where it's like, oh my gosh, is that an ADHD thing? And it's like, no, it's just a you like paper clips thing, and that's cool. Everything can't be explained by this diagnosis. But I also think you've got this huge influx of people who are just learning that they have this thing. And the diagnosis um, during the pandemic, I'd imagine, went up even higher because you take people out of their work element and all of a sudden it shakes loose the things that very much do not work and are not within your control. So you've got a, a huge influx of people doing that. They're looking for information. They're stuck at home. They're on the internet. What are they going to run into? A bunch of creators, and they're going to get a whole influx of information, and they're very excited to find people <laughs> who are like them. And, and they're going to hyper-focus on that information. <laughs> they're going to hyper-focus on it, and all of us, like, it's just like, 
it's like any new process, right? You're excited. It's fresh. It's new. You're sucking in all this information about it. And I feel like some of the, some of the people who've been in the community for a while and they've, they're solid in their diagnosis and they know the information, like, they're just like, Oh, here are all the news. (laughs) And it's like, you know, like it'll, I just feel like, yes, there's some inaccuracy going on. The main thing that I think on, on the side of the people who are being a little gatekeepy is that they want to protect people. Mm-hmm. Like not, not just the community that existed before the influx of new newly diagnosed people, but newly diagnosed people too, because you don't know what you don't know. And when people are feeding you information and it's to their advantage to feed you information that you like, um, things can get a little touchy. So it's like, get the information, but like any information you get from the internet, including mine, fact check me, I don't mind that. You've got to take it with a grain of salt. A lot of the creators are not clinicians. Mm -hmm. So you to make sure that when you're learning something that you also make sure that you're getting it from a reputable source and that you can verify what's being said. Like there's, but, and then enjoy TikTok in peace. (laughs) ADHD TikTok is so real. And actually I was thinking this morning and I've been trying to like not look at social media too much unless I need to post something like, Hey, here's a podcast, just put up, blah, blah, blah. but like not yeah. look at it for the first couple hours of my day. And it has helped my brain Smart. a lot. Cause I can get sucked into the scroll. But I, this morning I wanted to look at TikTok and I was like, wait, I don't know if I follow Renee on TikTok. I wonder if she's on TikTok. Then I was like, no, no, we're not opening TikTok. That is a wormhole. I am not ready for, we are focusing, but are you on TikTok? <laughs> so if you want to be technical, I have a TikTok account. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm on TikTok in any Mm. kind of functional way. Okay. Um, And a lot of people have asked and I consider it now and again. And then I think about the, like when we're talking about, we, I'm sure by now you've heard me talk about guarding your yes. One of the things that we need to do is make sure that we're not taking on any more than we can take on. I'm in the middle of a huge family crisis. I'm not starting a new social media network. Not doing it. It's like I appreciate the fact that fan that that fandom or whatever you want to call it because I think it's weird to call people who are asking for mental health suggestions to be called fans, but you know what I mean. Yeah, There's no other totally. word for it that, yeah. that's occurring right now. But um, I would like yeah. to give people the content they want, but not at the expense of my mental health. And I have to be Ugh. like I'm walking a very tight line right now. That is so important, and I'm so happy to hear you say that. I'm sorry to hear that there's a lot of things that aren't going super well in your life, but great to hear that you are clearly aware of it and focusing on that and not overloading yourself because that is something I definitely have a tendency to do. (laughs) It, It And it's hard, especially like as a creator, like, you know, the requests always come in. Can I interview you? Can you come to the event? Can you partner? Can you promote this can you mm-hmm. and it's like no 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 yeah no <laughs> no absolutely not and then a yes so. and then another no <laughs> and it's like 
because most people who ask, like, follow you, they'll be like, so I know there's a lot going on with your family, but I'm guessing that's getting resolved. So can you do this event? And it's like, gee, thanks. <gasps> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for talking to me. I'm very honored. <laughs> oh no, no problem <laughs> at all. But, and, but that's the thing, right? Like it's one thing to, when, when you are under stress and under pressure as a creator, in my opinion, it's important to like, I I'll do things for people who I feel will be considerate of the fact that I have a lot going on, right? Like, yeah, because who aren't like they just want you to come do their thing. They don't really care how you have to do it or if you completely topple over afterwards. So I try to be mindful of like who do I think is going to not be upset if I get a call from the hospital in the middle of my my session with them and we have to pause recording because this call from the hospital is the priority, whether yeah. they like it. Or Absolutely. I mean, like for me, when I see people set boundaries like that, like saying no to things or saying, actually, I was we could do it today, but now today is not a good day. Like that makes me feel good in a way because it then gives me permission that I shouldn't need, but I do for some reason, like to do the same thing, like to then go, oh, well, it's okay if I need to do that too. I need a mental health day or I have something else going on. You know, like the more each person does it, the easier it becomes for all of the next people. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, and that's the thing, like that's our responsibility as creators, in my opinion, like we have to be mindful of the fact that this is a whole community and respect the things that we're putting out and the, the, the connections that we're making and accuracy, accuracy, totally. accuracy. Like it's, it's all important. Like in order for the community to grow, we have to make sure that we're taking good care of people. Yep. Absolutely. And like, that's amazing. I think sometimes people forget that like, this is, this is people. So when you finally were given your official ADHD diagnosis for Mm -hmm. the last time, how did that feel to you? Well, it was a huge relief at first, but then of course there's all the regret. Like all this time I thought I was just a terrible, lazy scumbag <laughs> and I'm not. And so now I'm having to deal with the ramifications and the impact to my self-esteem and the injustice of it all. And the G, Mr. Mean Teacher, who yelled at me for being disorganized in eighth grade and made me cry in front of the class. Wouldn't you be interested to know that this was actually what the issue was? It wasn't just me being obstinate. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of humiliating experiences that children with ADHD go through. One thing that's super interesting to me, because in a lot of ways, when I see you talk about ADHD, I relate to a lot of it. And then in some ways, I'm like, wait, what? Because you somehow seem to remember so much from your childhood. And in my brain, I'm like, that is a black hole. I think my childhood was lovely, but most of it is just gone. So when people are like, well, did you have symptoms as a kid? I'm like, I definitely talked a lot, but I have no idea. 
Like it's gone. Those memories are out of my brain. (laughs) Yeah. No, thanks. It's the trauma. (laughs) Yeah. Great. There's a lot of good experiences too, but it, I guess some people just, they remember it and some people don't. And then some things as you're piecing them back together, memories will come back to you. Ooh, uh-huh. So, you know, I can tell you that my lockers were always a ridiculous mess. I can tell you that my teachers used to dump my desk out in front of the class. It wasn't just me. There were other kids Jeez. who it happened to, too. Like, people in their good intentions to help raise children into adults who will be successful can do some really terrible things. And I do not think the majority of it was intentional. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't They're like, if it. I just show her that she's messy, yes. she won't be messy anymore. Mm, Cause that works. Using humiliation as a, as a discipline tactic is seems like something we've started to get away from in schools like I still see stories that are way too full of humiliation for my taste but you know some people that's the only way they know so as a society we really have to outgrow this idea that using shame and humiliation to discipline children is a good thing because it's not they will remember the lesson but it won't be for the reason you think Like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember those things because I think, gee, that's where I learned that organization is a really great value. No, that's where I learned if you're too messy, people will embarrass you in a public place. And I need to avoid places where I can be humiliated versus. I mean, of course, the goal, you know, as an adult is to be always to be a little bit more organized if you're disorganized but then like if you've read my cleaning book you know my theory on that anyway is it doesn't need to be organized enough for anybody but the people in the house who live there to understand yes exactly and like I've always been even as an adult like my most recent job it's funny hearing you say that makes me realize another reason why I've loved working from home so much this past year and however many months because my and I hadn't even thought about this. Like my desk can be as messy as it needs to be, as I want it to be. I can clean it up when I feel like it. And in my brain, like it's as organized as it needs to be. I know what's in this pile and I know what's in that pile. And that pile of papers needs to be there or else I will not remember to fill out that paperwork I need to do later today. But when I was at an office, the boss every day was like, oh, Cassidy, like, wow, you ever going to clean up this desk? I'm like, when do I have time yeah. to? And and now that you're making fun of me, I just want to make it messier. So yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and like I would ask, oh, well, could I have some storage space for all of this stuff that I need for my job? No. Okay. My desk has no drawers. Where would you like me to put any of this stuff? Like, oh gosh, it's gonna be, you know, no drawers and you want like, it to not be piled up and messy. Good yeah, luck like, with that, sir. Yeah, right. So I mean, the shame is so real. Like I've always struggled with making things clean and organized, but then I also do enjoy the organization process when I get there, but it has to be on my own. Like if you try to force me into it, I'm out (laughs) immediately. (laughs) 
So I love your theory about cleaning. Yes. Yeah. It's just like you, it needs to make sense to you. Like my desk doesn't have to make sense to someone who doesn't work at it. My, mm-hmm. my kitchen doesn't have to be set up in a way that a person who never cooks in my kitchen can understand. Those are things like, and it takes us right back to what I was saying about the desk. We're not organizing for our own satisfaction. We're organizing to please people who don't live where we live. We're organizing and we're cleaning in order to not feel shame. And the whole point of cleaning and organizing is for you to have a home that's safe, sanitary, and so you can find your stuff. Those are the only rules. Everything else is fair game. If you need a pile of socks in the damn corner and that's like how you live your life, like socks in the corner would make me absolutely climb up the walls with anxiety (laughs) because clutter makes me nervous. But for some people, they're at peace with that. We don't need to tweak other people's homes to our satisfaction. If I go into someone's house and it's too cluttered and it makes me feel anxious, I just don't go. Why would I tell them that their home needs to satisfy me? It's not my home. Exactly. And same if you have someone thinks my house is too cluttered, like, cool, you don't have to come over. And like, (laughs) I have ADHD. So imagine how cluttered it has to be for me to go. I can't go there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. If I go to someone's house, just for the record, and there's some clutter, I'm like, yes, I'm not alone. Cool. No. Great. And that's the thing. Like, if you're not like, you know, if you're not an asshole, like most people aren't going into somebody's home going, I wonder what they have here that's messed up that I right. right. Like, I wonder how cluttered it's going to be when I walk in. Like, there are people like that, but they're assholes. Yeah. I don't want to invite you over to my house. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, clean it up enough that you can deal with it. If you want to throw some extra sparkle on it, you know, when your mom or whoever comes by, so they don't come into your house and begin furiously cleaning. I guess I'm not the only one who has that experience. (laughs) Um, Yep. Sometimes I furiously clean and then like mom gets here and it's like, this is a mess. I just cleaned. I just cleaned. Yeah. Fortunately, my mom doesn't do that too often. Like every, but you know what? Like it's always done in the spirit of helpfulness, which I appreciate. Like I had to communicate, like you're trying to help and actually you're just moving my stuff and that does not help me. And now I can't find it. It really does not help me. Yeah. Because you put it somewhere where that it makes sense to you. This is where it should go. And it's like, no, it needs to go where I put it. I keep my makeup in my office. If you put it in my bedroom or you put it in my bathroom, I will never find it there because I'm not looking for it there because that's not where it goes. It goes where uh-huh. I say it goes because it's my house. At your house, you can put it in the bathroom. For me, I have always had a tendency to lose things. And mm-hmm. so figuring out where something goes in my house and remembering in a place that makes sense to me does definitely work. I still have the tendency to lose things if I do not put them back. Like if I don't put my keys back where I've decided they should live, they're gone. Like I will then be super late to something because I'm trying to find my keys and I can't get out the house. And blah, blah. Like, is that something you've you've experienced is losing things? 
Oh yeah. That's a, like, that's, that is a bona fide ADHD symptom. That's why the name of my blog is black girl lost key. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I don't lose my keys anymore. So it doesn't apply the way that it used to, <laughs> but yeah, I've spent many a time looking for my keys and it, and like, that's, that's a symptom you can stand in, right? Like that's documented. That's classic part of the diagnosis, disorganization, procrastination, losing things, issues with emotional regulation, like those are pretty standard. So yes, that is an ADHD thing for sure. It's in the literature. Well, and it made, that's one that has made me feel like you're talking about the shame and like breaking down your self-confidence as a kid Mm -hmm. and into adulthood before you understand that it, you're not, you said like lazy, stupid, whatever. Like I tweeted something the other day and I was like, oh, realizing that I'm not a dummy was just is nice. And I can be a dummy in some ways, but like the fact that I lose things and I have felt so much shame, whether it's from other people or just me feeling like, oh my God, I lost. I can't find something again. Like what is wrong with me? And so of course I'm going to feel like an idiot. I'm going to feel stupid because I can't find that really important thing. You know, like my boyfriend and I have been trying to remember where we put our our vaccination cards. We're like, shoot, now there's things that we need to go to and show that we're vaccinated. And what did we do with those cards? We probably put them in a place that made so much sense in that moment. We just have to think, where did we think would make sense? <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. <laughs> but do you feel like since you've learned more about ADHD, is that something that's that's gotten better for you, losing things and being able to absolutely find them but yeah. like I think I think it's a natural consequence so like just like we were saying about the so-called noobs earlier like there's a growth process you have to go through when you're learning about something new so there's a lot of things that I do now I was diagnosed with ADHD in 2009 it's 2021 I should yeah. be at a point well for me if my goal is continual progress Mm-hmm. it's not to me it's not outrageous that I don't lose things like I used to do I still lose things yeah absolutely <laughs> like I have ADHD I'll probably always lose things but now I lose things and it's like uh let me like run around the room a few times oh here it is of course I found it it was hiding under this thing versus a I lost my car in the parking lot and I've been looking <sighs> for three hours And I think it's time to call the cops for real this time. This isn't like all the other times I lost my car. Oh, uh, yeah. I hadn't thought about all the times I've lost my car in a parking garage until you said that. Like like, all of that is part of your working memory. Mm -hmm. We have a working memory challenge. Where do you put your keys? It's working memory. Like those are, that's pieces of your memory that like you're not going to need to know 15 years from now where you sat your keys on May 27th. Your brain kicks that to the curb. Sometimes our brain doesn't record it in the first place. Yeah, like the brain decides what's important and that one's not. That one's gone. Yeah. And we don't have as much control over that as people think we do. And therein lies a lot of the challenge with ADHD. There's so much intention placed on us when it's not intentional. Hmm. So yeah. you spend a lot of time going, "Why?" You know, like especially, you know, refer back to childhood. Why did you do this? I forgot. And they're like, "If it was important, you'd remember." And it's like, I just 
I can't, I don't have any explanation for this. I, I forgot. I'm sorry. Like I told you that I, I have no, I don't know. I don't remember you telling me that. I believe you that you told me. So then it becomes like this child's head is in the clouds. We need to really crack down on them so that they know how to acceptably remember things. And that has the very opposite effect of what they're hoping to achieve. But yeah, you know, whatever, who's counting? (laughs) Renee, Renee is counting. (laughs) (laughs) I love plants. You probably already knew that. But as of just a couple of years ago, I was convinced I would forever be a plant killer. That is until I met the plant doctors. They're two women, Chelsea and Skylar, in Portland, who love helping people and businesses figure out how to care for their plants. And they sell cute plants and adorable plant pots, too. They have brought lots of green beauty into my house. And they just launched something super fun, a plant club. They're calling it the Clean Air Plant Club. Because, fun fact, plants actually do clean the air. For $20 a month, your subscription will get you a new 4-inch plant every month. Plus 10% off all workshops and 10% off anything else you buy when you go pick up your plant in person. Go sign up for the Clean Air Plant Club right now at theplantdocs.com. And while you're on their website, if you feel like you need a new plant right now, which, let's be honest, you probably do, use the code CASSIDY for 15% off your order. Again, code CASSIDY at theplantdocs.com. I love nut butter. Okay, that definitely sounds weird when I say it out loud in audio form, but you know you love it too, okay? Some toast with some nut butter on it in the morning. Mm. So let me introduce you to my favorite nut butter makers, Ground Up. They make super unique flavors like cinnamon snickerdoodle, coconut cardamom, and Oregon hazelnut. I can honestly never pick a favorite, but that is not the only thing that makes them unique. Ground Up's tagline is spread good because the company also provides job opportunities to women overcoming adversity like incarceration, homelessness, and mental illness. You can support their mission by buying some delicious nut butter for yourself at grounduppdx.com and use the code MENTALLYTOGETHER, all one word, for 15% off your order. That's code mentally together, all one word, at grounduppdx.com. Now, back to the show. You talked about how ADHDers can struggle with emotional regulation. And I think the more I learn about this, the more I have those, like you're saying, it is interesting. Like the childhood memories do live in the back of my brain somewhere. I just got to like, think of something that triggers it. And so there's definitely moments that I think back to like, oh, that's what I was doing. That's what, okay. What, what does that mean exactly for anyone who, who doesn't know? Emotional regulation is how you, and forgive me, like, I know this is going to seem redundant, (laughs) but it's, it's how you're able to manage and control your emotions. So when you're trying not to get upset, but you get upset anyway, when you're trying not to have an outburst and you have an outburst, when you cry in the meeting, even though you have no intentions of crying in the meeting, Uh it can be difficult to rein those, those emotions back for those of us with ADHD. 
Is that related to some another term that I had never heard before? I fell into ADHD side of the internet of rejection sensitive dysphoria. Are those? It is. Yeah. It is. So, like, a lot of people think that rejection sensitive dysphoria is its own condition and that it should be added to the DSM. It's really like it's it already it's emotional sensitivity and emotional dysregulation. It's just a descriptor to give, like to give you an idea of what those symptoms are. Like it is, it's a description of a set of symptoms around emotional regulation. So yes. Rejection sensitive dysphoria or RSD is from what I understand, like fear of rejection and therefore when you're rejected even in a tiny way like someone doesn't like you or you're scared that everyone doesn't like you and you think well, it yeah, all in your head and so then you can have an emotional outburst yeah yes so like the thing about RSD is it's real or perceived rejection so it doesn't even have to be rejection that actually happened it could be perceived and then you get into feeling like you can't trust your own perception. And when you can't trust your own perception, the the natural extension of that is to look to other people's perception, which I think, and this is my complete unscientific theory on it, when we talk about how people who are neurodivergent can fall into situations where they're being gaslit and emotionally abused, I believe, like in my humble opinion, that a big part of that is the fact that many of us don't trust our own perception. So if I'm upset, it's because after a lifetime of being told you're too sensitive, you're dramatic, you overreact to things. Then when you've got someone who wants to take advantage of you saying you're too sensitive, you're overreacting, your, your emotions are too big, it's easy to go okay, this isn't the first time I've heard that. So, all right. Yep. Guess it's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. So absolutely it's important for us to be able to sift down through what's the symptom and what is actually just us justifiably righteously being upset. And as long as we're not like whacking people upside the back of the head, I'd have to say, if you have to err on the side of anything, I would say you probably want to err on the side of trusting your own perception. Which can be so difficult. (laughs) It is because we really do. Like uh, we are trained not to trust our own perception because we're being told you're forgetting things on purpose. I'm not. You are. Well, all these people who care about me are telling me that I'm this way. I don't feel like I'm this way, but what if I'm wrong? Yeah. And for me, like that's one reason that getting the actual diagnosis like made such an impact on me is because I felt like I had ADHD. I had spent way too many hours researching on the internet But when I talked to some people in my life, they thought, no, like, that's not like you always did well in school and you did this and this and this. I'm like, okay, but I think it's I think it's real. Like it all makes sense. And then I got the diagnosis and 
it like validated that I could in fact trust myself, at least in this one way I had seen inside my brain and I felt it and it was true. And so it's like, oh, oh, I actually do know myself better than other people. What? What do you mean? Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) Which seems so obvious. Like, obviously we should know ourselves better, but sometimes it seems like we are told we don't, I guess. Yeah. We know ourselves and like therein lies the thing when you're newly diagnosed, you are meeting a person who you didn't know existed for the first time. It just so happens that you are that person. (laughs) And that is a very strange and wonderful and terrible process. And I think what happens is so often people come into the community, they're excited, they wanna help, they wanna get involved. And really, it's not time yet. You need to you need to slow down. You need to give yourself time to absorb. It's like playing hockey for the first time and you love hockey and you want to do hockey all the time. It's the best thing ever. And you think everybody in the world could benefit if they could just learn how to play hockey. I'm going to go out and teach everybody how to play hockey. But you don't know the rules of the game yet. You don't know what the main player, you don't know enough about hockey yet but you will you will know enough about hockey but you have to give yourself some time to get acquainted before you can go out into the world and preach the virtues of hockey which is then so hard whether it's hockey or adhd whatever like like because then you're like wait but i still have to be out in the world doing all of the the other things like i keep joking like i just want to go disappear not in a bad way like no no, i would like to go disappear be by myself in the middle of nowhere for six months, figure out how my whole brain and body works. And then I will come back. But like, that's but not, you know what? not that's realistic. Not, like, <laughs> you, not only is it not realistic, even if like, if you extracted yourself from regular society, there are things that are tipped off by you being in regular society yeah, that are going to be yeah. a revelation for you and you would yep. miss it all. So even if you had the power, I'd be like, eh, Cassidy, maybe not. Here's why. <laughs> Because there are things you're going to learn about yourself in this process. Like, I don't deal with my ADHD the same way I dealt with it in 2009. I don't deal with it the same way that I dealt with it in 2019. It's just like anything else. It's an organism, right? So you're, you're growing it. You're pruning it. You're restructuring things. Like, this is not... I think when we first learn about it, we go, I'm going to figure out what it is and I'm going to treat it that way. And it's going to work every time. And it's always going to work because now I've got a problem and this problem has a solution and it does, but just like everything else, like does, does the plant need, I'm sorry, I'm a poet. So everything is metaphor for me. Like that's so if you are working with this plant, did you put the plant in the sun? Is it starting to wilt? And then you look it up and you're like, oh, this plant is partial sun. So I need to have it in partial sun. Does the soil need to stay moist or does it need to stay dry? If the seasons change, does the soil now need to be moist? Plants are complicated. I don't really do plants that are this complicated. <laughs> this sounds like a plant that I would not have. Sounds like a plant that I would buy and then maybe kill. <laughs> right. Right. Like two weeks into it. But like, that's the thing. Right. And 
all around you, life is happening. And that will cause adjustments too. Like the way that I treat my ADHD right now is very different from the way that I was treating it in December. Because now I'm under, like I said, I'm in crisis mode because of all the things that are are happening with the family. So I have to prioritize things that I ordinarily wouldn't have to prioritize, like rest. Ordinarily, I would be cooking at home. I can't do that right now. I don't have time. I have a laundry service now. I've never done that before. I literally don't have time to run a business and be who I need to be. And do laundry. So laundry service, Mm -hmm. which like, you know, you struggle with that. Like speaking of being a woman, you know, it's like, oh, now I have to feel guilty because I should be able to do my own laundry. Literally nobody cares. My mom suggested it to me. Fantastic suggestion. (laughs) May the heavens praise her for it. Because we put so much emotion into all these things that we think we should be doing. Like literally nobody knows that I don't do my own laundry unless I tell them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I don't have to tell anybody if I don't want to. But that's what we do. We're chronic over shares. We share everything. (laughs) So we have to also learn not to put things in front of people that we don't feel like certain things you don't want to be judged on, right? Like Uh if you don't want to be judged on, Try not to put it out there. Or if you do, cut that shit off quickly or you're going to be in a situation where you're going to be pissed because you offered something up to be judged. Yeah. Oh, my God. So there's so much for like there's so much for us to learn. We talk a lot about what accommodations we want to see in the world. I think that's good. But my beef with expecting the outside world to accommodate us is now the choice of whether they're going to do it or not lays in their hands. I have to be the one who's in control of whether or not my life works the way that it needs to run. So as much as is possible, we need to be in control of what we need to be accommodated. Yeah. Like yeah. we don't have to hand our power over to society. Ooh. That is why we have the neurodivergent community that we have. Every single person is important because we all are experiencing this. You have somebody's answer. So Mm -hmm. flip side and completely contradictory to what I just said, somebody (laughs) coming in with fresh eyes might have an answer to somebody who's been doing it the same way for a million trillion years doesn't. And they'll hear it and it'll solve a problem for them that they had. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, totally. there's no, it like it, it can sound like a hierarchy, but to me, it's not. It's just a matter of, hey, you're coming in. Let's protect you for a minute. Let's get you mm-hmm. acclimated. And then when you've gotten yourself acclimated and you know how to look out for charlatans, <laughs> then we can cut you loose. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Every every community has charlatans. So we need to make sure that we protect people from that and that they have, you know, you need to have a basic understanding of how your brain works and you need to have enough time to kind of get in there and practice. A lot of this is practice. Like if something doesn't work, you think I always know the way to fix it? I don't. (laughs) It's what? 
like my own shit. Like nobody knows how to fix all their own shit. Nobody, nobody does that. Like no one has all the solutions for themselves or anyone else. So you have to be willing to get in there and get messy and screw it up. And sometimes it's like, Renee, I can't fucking do that. I have a job and my boss said, if I'm late again, then I'm fired. So that's cute. But how do I fix it? Mm-hmm. So oh, there's a lot of different levels of problems. There's a lot of different answers that are needed. And it's really all about giving each other grace and having as much space to practice as you can. Like this is, this is our game. Life is your game individually. There are no rules. Except the ones you make. As long as you're not like copying people. Like, you know, clearly like don't violate the law. Like don't don't kill people. Don't like you said, don't be an asshole. (laughs) That's all. Like if you're not like if you're not actively doing harm, there is no rule. Ooh. Yep. Great motto for all of life. (laughs) It really like it it makes a big difference. So what Obviously, we do not expect you to have the answers for everything and everything in your own life and everyone oh, else's no, life. Oh, no, I mean me. Like, but, nobody has all the Right, answers. right. But what are some of the things that have helped you in, you know, these, what, 11 years of, of yeah. figuring out your ADHD and what works and what doesn't work? What are some of the things that actually do help? We talked about cleaning. <laughs> um, Cleaning-wise, but- I think... And it's funny because I got the piece of advice long before I ever had the executive function to apply it, but keeping things in the place where you use them is one of the most helpful things you can do for yourself. Because if you're, if you're using something in the place where it's stored, it is that much easier to put it back. And when you don't like, okay, I do my makeup in the office. Let's say that I kept my makeup in the bathroom, even though I do my makeup in the office. Where mm-hmm. you think the makeup's going to stack up? Hmm, probably in the office. <laughs> going to be all over my damn desk. The brushes are going to be everywhere. Everything's going to be in my way. And it's easy for me to say, I don't have time to run all this to the bathroom right now. I'll just let it sit until there's a huge mess. Whereas now... Yeah, like the makeup still stacks up on my desk. Hello, I have ADHD. But the basket that it goes in is right there. So it's easy for me to go, oh, this is getting a little bit messy. Let me toss all this stuff in the basket where it goes. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you don't still stack up messes. It's not that things still don't get to the point where they need to be taken care of. It's about taking as much of the decision and the thought work out of things as possible. And like I said, I do my makeup in the office now. What if I decide to do it in my bedroom later? Then I'll have to like go and modify where I store stuff now and shift it over there. Once you find a solution, that doesn't mean it's always going to be the solution. So you Mm -hmm. have to be willing to come into new things and certain solutions like, I don't know, how you run your morning, like your morning routine. Once that gets stale, you're not going to be interested in it anymore. Yes. And it's okay. Like when people are coming up with, with routines, I usually tell them to come up with two more routines that will suit them equally so that once that one isn't working anymore, you have a new one to switch into. And when that one doesn't work, you have a new one to switch in. 
And then you can go back to the original because all it needs to be is new. You ever do something and you're like, oh my God, I used to do it like this all the time. Let's do it this way. Why did I stop doing that? You stopped Uh doing it because you got bored. The ADHD brain is about stimulation. So accommodate yourself. That's like me with, with exercise. Like for a couple of weeks, I'll be like, whoa, I forgot running is great. Running is cool. And then after two weeks, I'm like, I hate running. This is stupid. And, and I used to be hard on myself and be like, why can't you just keep running? Like you liked this before. Why can't you keep doing it? But then I'll go, okay, now dancing feels good. I'll do dance classes for a couple of weeks. And then be like, oh, this is kind of boring. Let's try yoga. Okay. Then a couple weeks later, let's try running again. Whoa, I like it. So yeah, exactly. what. But then instead of being hard on myself, like just knowing that, yeah, like you just said, my brain is going to get sick of it. We're going to introduce something new and that's okay. Just like keep going around. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like that's it. It's all about you keep handing off new stuff to yourself. It's totally all right. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. You did mention like, oh, you used to not have the executive function to do the cleaning, et cetera. Executive dysfunction is a huge symptom of ADHD or a huge thing we struggle with, or I do at least of. Oh, yeah. Basically, that means just doing the things that that you need to do. Right. Simply. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's all that it is. And it's not that my executive function is still jacked up. It always will be. But it's a matter of learning how to work with it. Like, for instance, I'll set an alarm. A lot of people will dismiss the alarm. Don't dismiss the alarm. (laughs) Reset the alarm. Reset it for whatever time. Like, you know, if you need 15 minutes, snooze it. If you think you'll need an hour, just set the damn thing for an hour out. Don't turn the notification off and think that you're going to remember it. The whole reason you set it in the first place is because you know you're not going to remember it. And that doesn't change just because you don't feel like doing it right then or because something else came up. It's totally cool that something else comes up. Don't dismiss the notification. Set up something else to re-notify you because it still needs done and you're still not going to remember. So it's things like that. So I know if I shut the alarm off and I don't reset it, that is me voluntarily tossing whatever that is into the abyss and saying, I don't care if that gets done, which is fine. There's a place for that too, but I need to know that when I'm doing that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because I feel like you are talking to me and telling me not to ignore my reminders. I only realized in the past couple of months how useful setting alarms and reminders for me is because I rejected it for so long. Because I'm like, I don't want a bunch of alarms going off. I don't, don't want to be screamed at and it feels like bullshit. And like, OK, so that attitude right there. Right. <laughs> we all have to grow out of that, too. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm a writer. I'm a poet. Like that is what I planned on doing with my life. I never planned on like inserting ADHD into that. So I always had the concept that like the reason I'm like this is because I'm artsy and that's how fucking artsy people are stereotyped, right? Like they show up when they want to, they kind of flood around and do, do what they do. And everybody just kind of goes, Oh, they're an artist. That's normal. Mm -hmm. So when I found out that like, this was a thing, it's like, Oh, this isn't just who I am. So I'm not like, this isn't just like me, like trying to like 
box myself in because you know like that's that's such artist bullshit like you're trying to box me in and take away my I don't have creativity <laughs> and it's like okay no I just want to make sure that you like don't forget to like I don't know take your meds or you don't forget to show up where the hell you need to show up like or it's eat not lunch enough. like yesterday I or- just straight up forgot to eat lunch and all of a sudden it was eight o'clock at night and I was like I need dinner I'm really hungry and do you and I was know like, how many people I didn't eat starve lunch. because they think that like people would rather starve than admit I can't remember to eat lunch I need to set an alarm because I'm never gonna remember to eat lunch it, it's like some of some of learning to manage this is getting past the whatever judgment we've placed on ourselves for not being able to do the thing. So like somebody might go, I can't remember to eat lunch when I'm supposed to eat lunch, but I'm supposed to be able to. And if I would just try harder, I would remember everybody like this is you're being ridiculous. You need to learn how to remember to do this. This is not like, just figure it out. And you're struggling Mm -hmm. for like months and months until you get fed the fuck up and go, I don't give a shit. Who cares? Who cares? Like, give me that damn alarm. I'm sick of like going home wondering why the fuck I have a headache again and realizing it's because I haven't eaten all day. So or drank any water or yeah. Yes. So either you experience a consequence Mm -hmm. or you just come to peace with it naturally for some of us we're the ones who are imparting that, that ableism and that, that shit onto ourselves because we like, fuck it. Like at this point, like that, I feel like that more than the tip itself is what we need to shed because my issue wasn't cleaning the house. My issue was shame and not knowing how to control my executive dysfunction. My house is fine now. And my expectation levels have adjusted because now I'm not cleaning to the imaginary person on Pinterest standards. I'm cleaning to mine. Yeah. So there's like, there's all those, those pieces that move together and this shit sounds complicated because it is, it takes time to figure out. Damn it. Supposed to be quick and easy. <laughs> I know. Like, so I like, I'm sitting here like, ooh, six months. Ooh, hun, no. I know, I know. But the oh, flip yeah. side is it's it's gonna get better and you're gonna learn things about yourself, right? So, like absolutely for me, I can do alarms and I can do notifications. I cannot alarm every second of my life because I will get annoyed by the volume of alarms and then I will ignore all the alarms because here's another bullshit ass alarm. I don't even know what it's for. And I probably don't want to do what it is anyway. Turn that shit off. I just can't bear the noise anymore. If you're annoyed by the amount of notifications you're getting, you're getting too many pair them back. Mm. Mm -hmm. But that like we get married to the tip. We go, this is what other people are doing and it works for them. So if it's not, it's the solution to everything. the only solution and if it's not working it's because you're not doing it right that's not necessary like maybe you're not doing it right but if you fix whatever it was you weren't doing right and the shit doesn't work it just doesn't work for you who gives a shit what renee brooks does there's plenty of shit i do that doesn't work for for other people there's shit other people do that i'm like that like people journal people journal and apparently it is helpful for them I personally detest, like I despise, 
despise journals. Like I legit, Ooh. I have a whole stack of journals sitting like I could throw something and hit them because I keep them to remind me to stop fucking buying journals. <laughs> like journals. That's like they me and the pile of books next to my bed that I've purchased in the pandemic and read none of them. But I've been reading audiobooks because I finally figured out that if I listen to an audiobook, I can do something with my hands, like repot a plant or go on a walk or clean the house and listen to a book. And it helps me listen and pay attention. Before I was telling myself, like, why are you going to read these books? Because you're not going to remember any of the information, even though you're like, I want to read this because I'm going to learn so much and be the best human. Then I read it. It all leaves my brain. If I listen to an audio, like it was like unlocking a new thing. But so this pile of books is just staring at me like you haven't read me and you're never going to. So you suck. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But super interesting. You say the thing about journaling because I like rediscovered journaling in the last couple of months because I finally like took away the perfectionism of it that like I have to do it every day. It has to be this certain way. It has to be the way that this person says it's good, blah, blah, blah. And oh my gosh, I I have it right here. And I'm almost at the end of the journal. And I don't know, like this might be the first time it has ever happened. (laughs) But look at that. Like you, you cut away all the stupid ass rules Mm -hmm. and you did it in a way that works for you. That's what it's all about. And I have now. I get to buy a new journal. Oh my gosh! Wow. But yeah, exactly. If it doesn't work for you, you're actually gonna use it. I think yes. that's fucking amazing. That's oh. what that is amazing. Thank you. I love it. It almost also, makes me want to buy a journal. <laughs> <laughs> you could, but also, yeah, that's the whole, with so many things about mental health. What you just said is applicable. That like it might work for you, it might not work for me, and vice versa. Yes. And. That's all we're trying to do is figure out, like, does this, is this feel good for me? And maybe if it doesn't, it might feel good in a year or whatever. Yes, that right there. And then, like, the flip side is that people go, Renee hates journals. (laughs) Journals won't work for me either. Uh Bullshit. They work for Cassidy. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, we can learn from each other, but the most important voice has to be yours yeah and that's Mm -hmm. the part that we struggle with the most as people with adhd because we go do you see what a fucking mess i've made of my life you want me to listen to me (laughs) to me i don't have the answers do you see this mess i've made but the reason why we're in the mess, we think we're in the mess because of us. We're in the fucking mess because we've been listening to other people tell us how we need to do the job our whole lives. This is not our mess. This is their mess. We're just the ones who acted it out. Oh, I just want to like applaud and be like oh and just let it soak into my brain like whoa because because yeah I mean I am definitely guilty of like all hyper focused decide to google something and then all of a sudden I've fallen down a hole because I think that if I keep looking there will be an answer and that will give me the solution I've been looking for my whole life right like personality tests right yeah yeah the other day I spent two hours reading. Oh my, this is embarrassing. I spent two hours Don't reading about my life, my life path number because I yeah, finally, yeah. I like saw something on Girl, TikTok listen. about life paths. And then I spent two hours and you know, by the end, I didn't actually find anything that was like, 
well, I figured out my life now, but I thought I oh was my going gosh. to. <laughs> we all do it. Like we all do like the, I mean, and like, let's be honest, it's like the Zodiac. It's fun, right? Like, yeah, it's that, it's Myers-Briggs. It's, I, I need to find all out who I am. It's all the same thing. I need to find out who I am so that I can go get what I want. But when you got your are in there, <laughs> they're in there. It's just that you're used to thinking that you don't have them and you're used to thinking that somebody or something else has them. And oh, man. you do need information. So like, don't stop. I think that's just like we were talking about earlier. It's part of the process. Mm-hmm. And we all still do it. Like, like if taking tests online to find out what kind of wolf I am is wrong, I don't <laughs> want to be right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're fun. Like it's, Everything about this doesn't have to be so goddamn serious. And we don't have to take things so personally. Like there are people, like I said one time, I fucking hate journals. And people were like, journals are actually very useful for me. And I'm like, oh, honey, I'm glad. I'm glad that they're very useful for you. This wasn't a judgment on journals in general. This was a judgment on journals for Renee. Mm -hmm. Renee doesn't like journals. Renee doesn't like, like having an opinion about something, but again, because we're looking for someone else's perception and that judgment comes from someone we trust. And I'm like, I'm using myself as an example. It doesn't have to be like, think about, you know, when you're a little girl and you want to be just like your mom and your mom says, I don't like, I don't know, carrots. And you go, I don't like carrots either because mom doesn't like carrots. So I don't like carrots. We don't like carrots. It's the same thing. So it like it it all circles back to find a way to trust yourself. And by the way, I don't know if my mom likes carrots. Right. To be quite <laughs> I mean, I, I I think she likes them. Like I don't think she like hates them or anything. I'm pretty sure she eats them. I eat them, so it stands to reason. Like you know, we tend yeah. to eat similarly to what our parents eat, at least at first, but I guess I'm 36 now. So whatever I eat and whatever she eats probably aren't related at this point. Now you can see the ADHD coming out because I'm thinking about, well, eating patterns. I wonder how that works. Yeah. Did I like that? Do I? Yeah. 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 And then it's funny because like, so I come from a blended family, but like my, my, I grew, I was mainly at my mom's house. So it's funny how many things that I, absolutely love are things that my dad eats so like oh. and it just it comes up randomly so like I, what was it that we were talking about soup we both have the same favorite soup so it makes <laughs> it makes you wonder like what's your favorite soup we do? <laughs> like we're this weird mix of like genetics and chemicals and trauma and yeah. whatever other influences come at us so it's like so we just we take it all too seriously and I know like it's hard not to take it seriously because sometimes the consequences are really great mm-hmm. so there's it all boils down to all of us are doing the best we can in yes. any given moment unless we're not and if you're not doing the best you can go do the best you can and stop judging yourself so hard because you probably really are doing the best that you can 
And maybe just like assume everybody else is also doing the best they can. That's what I've been I mean, thinking a lot about lately because I've been thinking about how, and I mean, there's exceptions, obviously. No, well, no, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think you're wrong in that though. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing all this important information. Clearly, I have oh, appreciate it, and I'm sure so many people you. will appreciate it as they continue to appreciate six books, all the things you're doing. Excited to see what else you'll teach us. <laughs> so oh, thank you. I'm so grateful. So <laughs> grateful for your time. Thank you thank so you. much. And thank you, wonderful human, for listening to this episode of Mentally Together. We release new episodes every Monday, so I, Cassidy Quinn, will see you next week. In the meantime, go do something nice for your brain today. Go write in your journal, only if you like journaling. Go clean your house to your standards and desires, not anyone else's. Go read Renee's blog, blackgirllostkeys.com. By the way, she also sells awesome fidget toys on there, so if you or anyone you know in your life is a fidgety human like me, maybe go check them out. Whatever will make your day just a little bit better. Because remember, we are all just trying to keep ourselves mentally together. Together is produced, hosted, and edited by Cassidy Quinn in collaboration with Coba FM, a podcast network that is all about community, baby.